Hey guys, Bill here. Going to have Will Brinson on. We're going to be picking our favorite over-under bets for the 2020 season in a moment. First, we're not listening to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. Here is an opportunity to listen to more of me. Because this week, I am the guest on the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny with our old friend Mina Kimes. We're talking about Dak Prescott, talking about Jared Stidham, a lot of stats and insight into why the Cowboys should pay Dak Prescott and why the Patriots have some considerations with Jared Stidham. Mina went and watched the tape. I went and grinded or ground, as I believe we discovered, the numbers on Jared Stidham. Talk about that. Mailbag questions. Tons of fun stuff on Mina's show. So subscribe to Mina's show and subscribe to the Bill Barnwell show, which you're going to listen to right now. All right. Joining me as promised. A regular contributor to the Bill Barnwell Show, good friend of mine, excellent, excellent podcaster and writer for CBS Sports, Mr. Will Brinson. Will, how are you? I'm doing well, Bill. Um, you know, I haven't been uh, writing a whole lot, which is uh, I, I was saying that I was saying that as a skill you have, not as a. Yeah. No, I no no no. I just I, I was thinking about this the other day, like. Because we've been doing, and it, maybe it'll pick up some more, you know, just focusing on the podcast and doing a bunch of video stuff, like the right, like I just haven't been right. And being out of season, I just haven't written as much. And I was, I was wondering the other day, I was like, I wonder if I will be able to write if I need to again. And then I wrote um, a bunch of words about week one picks and it turns out I can still write. That's good. I, it's like Mina. We're like, Mina is now like a television superstar, but also uh, in her, and like, you know, skill 18 is a, she's a very good writer. And same thing with you. Right. Where I, it's, you know, it's annoying. It's annoying with Mina too, because like, she's very good at all the things she does. And then it's like, you have to read this very well written feature piece, you know, very well report. Like, you know, she's like Jalen Ramsey is in like a Applebee's in, in Nashville, like <laughs> fill, filling his like deepest, darkest, darkest secrets to her. And she managed to like write a great introductory paragraph. It's very, I, I, I like this weird game of clue that, that's going on with, uh, Mina Kimes features now, uh, Jalen Ramsey in the Applebee's in Nashville. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Outside his apartment, the leopard skin rug and a fur coat. <laughs> yes. I could do this all day, but I have, I think, an even more fun thing to talk about, Uh, an idea that I wanted to have you on for. I feel like you're the best person to talk about this with. Um, This is a friend of mine came up with this idea, actually, and so I'm trying to do it. Uh, We are going to draft NFL over-unders, so different uh, different sports books, different casinos, even though the casinos, I believe, are still closed, have posted odds on the NFL season, the NFL over-unders, which I've run about a bunch in the past. I, I have tweeted about as well. Um, for the, uh, for the, I guess, uninformed or for the uninitiated, I think is the word I was thinking of. Uh, basically, the casino posts a total, and you are betting on whether the team will win more games or less games than that total. So to pick one, for example, the Rams have a eight and a half win line. So if the Rams win more than eight, more than eight games, if they win nine games or more, they will be over. If they don't win eight and a half games, so eight wins or less, they go under. Ties count as losses. And a push, if, if the total is nine or 10 and you win, uh, they win nine or 10, your money gets returned to you. So Will is someone uh, who, you know, thinks about gambling, who writes about gambling here and there. 
I have dabbled in the past myself, and I wanted to kind of go through the props at the or sorry the over unders at the Caesar Sportsbook and try to find the ones that might be juiciest, might be most interesting. And so we're going to go back and forth, picking our favorite over unders, over or under, off of that list. So um, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I well, before we start the draft, I have a couple of procedural points that I want to put out there, please, uh, if that's okay. Please. Okay, that's it. So. Uh, one, I, I would like to note that uh, I, why, I like the Caesars layout, uh, but I am also obviously a moron. I'm so used to the organization of the NFL teams by uh, geographic alphabetical order that it took me 10 minutes to realize that these teams were in the order of the, the team name. Like, oh, no. like I'm staring at Rams, Ravens, Redskins, which should be. I was like, why are the 49ers first here? This is very <laughs> I'm like, oh, and I'm like, Bears, Bengals. It's like, I was like, Chicago doesn't. I was like, it, it's. It, I was like, all right, H I, you know, Chicago, Cincinnati. And I was like, Bill, no, the Bills should be in front. What is happening here? Uh, and then, and then I finally realized. I mean, it's it's, it's humiliating. Um, procedural point number two, for whatever reason, Bill, the NFL, in all its uh, infinite wisdom, totally rebooted its website today yeah. after releasing the schedule. You can no longer access team schedule pages. Those oh, were my go yesterday. You could do it today. You cannot. Those are my go-to for looking at, I, for whatever reason in my, uh, I have a weird brain and looking at those pages, it always made the most sense to me being able to run through and do uh, over under like a right, win here, loss here, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so that, I find that to be very annoying. Now you have to go to like giants.com to, oh. to get that schedule. Uh, and then the, the only other point of procedure that I think is important for people is that you know, obviously, you know, use Caesars because it's ESPN podcast, but um, you can shop around for these, of course, at different sites. If you like, if you think there's a better number at a different site, and I would add that, you know, you know, if the Bears, the Bears, for instance, at Caesars, the under eight and a half is minus one sixty, which means you have to you have to put down one hundred sixty dollars to win a, a hundred dollars. I think sometimes mm-hmm. we overassume that everybody knows that, so I always like to explain it on my podcast and figured I'd do it for you too. Yes, absolutely. And you should, if you are someone who actually wants to bet these. These picks are strictly for entertainment purposes, of course, but if you are except, so inclined. Except for, the, except for the first ones we make. You should yes, bet those. Those ones are legit. The other ones yeah. are just for funsies. But yeah, you should. And also, the NFL changing their website has broken a lot of the uh, independent um, play-by-play analysis and EPA analysis that's going on, and the NFL should fix that, mm-hmm. in just my opinion. I have any clout with anybody from the NFL who is listening. But, Will, having having clarified those procedural options, uh, I want you, as the guest, to make the first pick. I, I assume that you would do that, and I actually structured my big board. Yes, I have a big board of 32. <laughs> uh, it, my wife was looking at me. She's like, what are you – you said you had to work. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing these uh, – I'm doing a uh, it, look. It says Barnwell Pod win total pick board. She's like, none of that is real. What are you talking about? These are you're just looking at a gambling website. Uh, it's, it's work. What, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and so yeah, I uh, I structured them as such. And with my Beautiful. first uh, my first pick in the uh, Bill Barnwell 2020 uh, COVID 19 pandemic win total uh, draft, uh, I will select the Indianapolis Colts over at nine ends. Beautiful, because that's not on my board. So I'm excited that we have hopefully totally different boards here. This is great. Okay, so Colts over nine. What is your logic for favoring the Colts going over nine wins? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I am of the opinion that, and look, I'm, I would, I mean, I'm a Philip Rivers homer. Everybody knows that. Uh, sure. The Colts are my team. Goodbye, Chargers. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> I think, I know. Well, I think, all right, so I think this is a theme that will come up a lot, Bill, and consistency to me is going to be key in looking at who is successful in the NFL in 2020. We don't know mm-hmm. what training camp is going to look like. Um, we do know the NFL, uh, Adam Schefter reported that they have extended the virtual offseason. I cannot fathom a world in which these guys are hanging out and working together before training camp at the very earliest. Yes. So I think it is, I think it is uh, paramount that teams have consistency at quarterback, at the head coaching position, mm-hmm. at the offensive coordinator position, and at, on, on the offensive line. Now, I know that Phillip Rivers is new in Indianapolis. I get that. I'm, as I, you know, as I, I basically said the same thing. But uh, he obviously he has worked with Frank Wright before and Nick Sirianni, their offensive coordinator. He will have zero problem as a veteran quarterback picking up the language. And I am of the belief that Indianapolis did an outstanding job with its, uh, with its first three selections in mm-hmm. butchering uh, the the already very good roster that Chris Ballard put together. They, they used the first pick to trade for DeForest Buckner and gave him a pile, big pile of cash. Uh, DeForest Buckner is awesome. That is, yeah. you cannot draft DeForest Buckner. You just can't do it. Um, it's a win now move. And then their next two picks, the second rounders, uh, Jonathan Taylor is a, 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 I get it, second round pick on a running back. The analytics say don't do it or something like that. I don't care. This guy's a workhorse. He, they they dropped off when they had Marlon Mack in there. Uh, when Marlon Mack got hurt, excuse me. Now you don't have to pay Marlon Mack. You have a two. You have a two-headed uh, backfield. Naheem Hines can catch balls out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Michael Pittman Jr. Frank Wright called him the best wide receiver in the draft class. thinks he thinks he can you know step in and 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 be like their sort of number one. And he's a perfect complement to Paris Campbell and T. Y. Hilton. I think the Colts will run the ball a ton and minimize the number of uh, throws when trailing that Phillip Rivers has to make, which will cut down on his interceptions. Mm -hmm. He will be very efficient, and uh, I think the Colts will easily win 10 games. Easily win 10 games. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I could buy it, absolutely. I'm more concerned about the defense than I am about the offense, but I do think that, you know, adding to Forrest Buckner, there's a ton, a ton of young defensive players on this roster um, especially up front around DeForest Buckner, a lot of guys who are second round picks, um, third round picks, guys who you would figure are going to keep improving. And absolutely, you know, I, I do think the Texans took a step backwards. I think the Titans are not probably going to get a full season out of Ryan Tannehill. The Jags are maybe tanking, maybe not tanking. I think they're tanking, but I'm not sure. Um, but wouldn't shock me if they won the division. Wouldn't shock me if they won 10 games. So I absolutely see where you're coming from there. Um, with my first pick, not super thrilled about backing this head coach. I'm going to do it. Numbers seem to indicate that it's going to happen. I'm going to go Lions over six and a half minus 120. This is a Lions team that was three, four and one with Matthew Stafford playing maybe the best football of his entire career last year. Matthew Stafford, you know, has gotten hurt here and there, but he has not missed time I mean, several seasons before last year. So I think you're probably getting 16 games out of him. They were 0 and 8 with their backup quarterbacks. They're gone. Uh, they had six expected wins, even with that combination of Stafford and backup quarterbacks. They were three, seven, and one in close games. This is a Lions team that, uh, again, not a lot of faith in Matt Patricia, but I think they realize they have to win this year to keep their jobs. And so, again, spent money in free agency. Have they, they trade Darius Slay, but added Desmond Trufant to kind of mitigate that. 
um, a, a defense that should, really can't be much worse than it was a year ago. Um, and then I think an offense that with healthy Matthew Stafford is better. And I think the Packers are going to be worse. I think the Vikings could be worse. The Bears are a question mark. I mean, I don't think the Lions are going to win the division, but I, I think they're going to be a much more competitive team. Uh, and much more look look a lot more like the team we saw in the first half of the first quarter, I guess, of twenty nineteen when they, you know, were basically, you know, within a couple plays of being four and zero to start the year with wins over the Eagles, Chargers, and Chiefs. So uh, obviously things went south from there, but a team that I think um I don't want to sleep on. I think a team that should, you know, be in the eight nine win range in twenty twenty. I, I like it. Um I had their over listed as well and um honestly they should have been five and a they should have beaten the Cardinals. Yeah, true. They should have be, they should have beaten the Chiefs, and they got completely hosed by the refs in that uh, Monday night game in Week Six after their bye against the Packers, and really just never never recovered. Yes, um, they lost lost a lot of one score games. I, um, I I I I like it. I like their over. I had them a little bit further down. I I, I think that if I were going to, this will sound even crazier, I guess, but I like the odds on the Lions to win the division at. Mm-hmm. Eight and a half to one, yeah, for sure. mainly because I think when you and maybe this is a bit of a spoiler for future picks, but I think when you look at the rest of the division, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers and the uh, Minnesota Vikings all had pretty bad offseason. Um, yeah. Whether you know, like you know, hot takes about Jordan Love aside, I mean, I, I just think that none of them drastically improved by virtue of either what they did or didn't do in free agency or what they weren't able to do because of certain draft picks. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think, I think Detroit is a, is a very, very interesting team. And I, I, I agree with you on that over. I will, uh, I will strike it off my board mm-hmm. and uh, with my second pick. Yes. Right. That's how that works. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'll take the, uh, I, I, this is this is a head coach I am I am excited about backing because hopefully he listens to this podcast and will invite me to hang out in his luxurious bachelor oh. pad in Arizona. I will take the Arizona Cardinals over seven and a half, mm-hmm. which uh, is a little bit more. Um, I don't want to plug another uh, sports book or anything like that, but I do believe that. If you were perchance to wander to William Hill, you could actually get the over seven at minus one thirty. And I think when you talk about the uh, the like shopping around, I mean that's a huge difference. Yes, seven sure. wins. If they go seven and nine, you push and you don't lose any money. If they go, if you take the seven, if you know, obviously you have to get the eight to win. I would still feel confident either way, though. Yeah. Think, you know the the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Uh, is is certainly certainly one thing to get excited about, but to me there there's more lying about that that I would be even I, it makes me more enthused about Arizona. One, I thought Cliff Kingsbury got substantially better at play calling and in game management as the season went along. Mm-hmm. He was a, a the the poster boy for anti analytics with his red zone kicking early on in in his in his Arizona career. I think that he was certainly probably certainly overwhelmed a bit by all the duties that come with being an NFL head coach versus being a college head coach at the big 12 level. Mm-hmm. And I think adjusted throughout the season and got better. Um, Kyler Murray is uh, the value might be gone now because it's 25 to one, but I, I think Kyler Murray is a very reasonable medium to long shot to win MVP mm-hmm. uh, given what we've seen from, you know, Patrick Mahomes in the second year as a starter, Lamar Jackson, second year as a starter. Now Kyler Murray, second year as a starter, maybe there's, 
maybe there's not uh, quite as much as big a leap forward because he had a really good year last year, but he's got, you know, the same system uh, only has to learn how to work with DeAndre Hopkins. I, I feel comfortable saying that Kyler Murray can do that. The Rose, one of the best balls in all of football. They added, you know, Marcus Gilbert is back and healthy and they got some insurance in the third round with Josh Jones. Uh, Isaiah Simmons should help out the defense substantially. I know that people are worried because of Hassan Reddick that he won't pan out in, uh, in, in Arizona. I don't, I don't have those. I don't share those same concerns. Mm-hmm. No second round pick, but you got Hopkins. I, I just think that haul there in the draft, uh, moving on from David Johnson in that trade and, and turning it over to, to Kenyon Drake. You have Chase Edmonds, you know, Benjamin, a seventh round pick out of Arizona state is a really fun runner to watch. I think he could actually make an impact this year in, mm-hmm. in some time. And if that offensive line stays healthy, I think this team can challenge for that division. Are you concerned about the difficulty of the division? Uh, to a degree, yes. But, and again, probably spoiling it a bit, I, I think that the Rams are in a precarious position mm-hmm. to be certain players and, 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 and certain turnover on, if, in, from a coaching standpoint. I think the Seahawks were an extremely lucky team last year that is going to rely on running the ball and then Russell Wilson pulling a rabbit out of his hat every, you know, every fourth <laughs> quarter. And I think the 49ers at least, you know, could be, I'm not, I'm not, I think the 40, I'm, the 49ers are a tough one for me, but uh, I, I think Arizona can get to eight wins pretty, I think they can get to 500. I don't say fairly easily, but I, I would mm-hmm. be surprised if they didn't. Okay. Here's my next selection. I feel like it might inspire some criticism. We will see. Patriots under nine wins. Ooh. Minus one twenty. And here is why. Yeah. Well, well I, and by the way, just so you know, Bill, the next the next team on my board was the Patriots over nine wins. You okay, here we go. Now we're talking here. Here is my argument for why the Patriots are going to not win nine games. Number one, their defense was incredible last year. And we know from history it's hard for any defense to be as good as the Patriots were in 2019. Think about the 2017 Jags or the 2018 Bears. They were still good the next year. They just weren't as good. And the Patriots were an outlier in terms of how good they were against the pass. And that's tough to keep up. They've lost a lot up front. I think Bill Belichick will be able to get it to work. It's still going to be a very good defense. But if they finish the year fifth or sixth in DVOA as opposed to first, it would seem pretty likely. On the offense, I don't know if you've heard, Will, but Tom Brady is gone. And I like their offensive line. I like their receivers. I think the wide receiving core is underrated. I think that I still think there's something maybe with Sony Michelle. I still think they could run the ball effectively. But I, I talked about this yesterday on the Munich Kime show featuring Lenny. Well, I went and went looking through NFL history for quarterbacks who were drafted after the 100th pick, who started zero games in their first year at a school as a rookie, who then started in week one of their second season. Do you know how many quarterbacks have done that before presumably Jared Sidham is about to do it for the Patriots? All right, so it's uh, drafted after the 100th pick, started week one after sitting out their entire rookie season? They they did not start a game during their rookie season. Uh, like Jared Sidham threw like five passes. It's got to be a never. There's one guy, and he's actually quite recent. It's Trevor Simeon of the Denver Broncos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. But, but I mean, that's, you know, the fact that it's happened once in a hundred years of football is kind of scary. And, and I do think that with Jared Stidham, even though he has a very solid offensive core around him, 
it's just tough for me to sit here and say with the defense declining that he's going to hold up his end of the bargain and this team's going to win nine games. I have a ton of faith in Bill Belichick. I, I just, you know, that division could be better. Wouldn't shock me. Um, wouldn't shock me if it was worse, I guess. I don't know. It, it's not out of the question, but I just, I, I, I can't, if you're already telling me the defense is going to decline, you're telling me the quarterback play is going to decline. It's tough for me to see them getting to nine games, nine wins, excuse me. Um, okay, here uh, here yeah. is my argument for the Patriots going over nine wins. Bill Belichick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good argument. argument. That's it. That's the argument. No, um, look, I I think that uh, part of part of my interest in going over nine wins here would be that I, I, I like to kind of roll contrarian sometimes, and I think everybody is going to be fading the Patriots and, and loading up on the Buccaneers. And I, I, the, the Buccaneers are a lot sexier. I mean, like oh, sure. Bruce Arians, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, party, you know, like party on the, party on the bay. You know, like, like, and then the Patriots are like, we have Jared Stenham on the defense. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, like, I get it. And um, I, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, by by how that's unfolding, I would point out um, just as maybe a counterpoint sure. to the quarterback to the the Stidham argument. I, I tend to think that Bill Belichick and uh, I know it, this, it's kind of it's it's hard to it's hard to really okay. If you look at the quarterbacks drafted by the Patriots, the they have never taken a quarterback. They've taken one quarterback or two quarterbacks, excuse me, in the top seven, the first seventy five picks of the draft. Uh, Ryan Mallett in 2011 and Jimmy Garoppolo in 2014. Um, they all Garoppolo is the only guy who was a second round pick out of all of them. But like Tom Brady, that worked out okay in the sixth round. Rohan Davey, whatever. Cliff Kingsbury, you know, wasn't not like a superstar at the NFL level, but clearly a very cerebral and smart guy who can end up being a head coach. Uh, was very good at Texas Tech. Matt Castle, you know, he they won 11 games with him and got and then he sure. went was an all, a Pro Bowler with Kansas City. Uh, Kevin O'Connell and Zach Robinson, again, two cerebral guys who got into coaching or evaluation in, in, at some level. Uh, Mallet, you know, look, he, he played football and, and overslept in Miami one time and, and got benched for it. Uh, but then Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett, two guys who are starter caliber quarterbacks, you know, by virtue of starting a bunch of games uh, and won games for the Patriots in, in Tom Brady's absence. Danny Etling uh, was a 2018 pick. We don't, you know, seventh round pick. Nothing really happened there. And then Stidham, a fourth round pick. I think Stidham is an interesting test case because I mean, I remember I did my way too early mock draft before the 2018 season, mm-hmm. and Stidham was a guy that was going to be a first round pick, and he just had a bad year at Auburn, and now he's had a year to sit and learn the system. And I think he's a smart kid um, with an arm who can make all the throws. And I think if you just look at what the Patriots are doing, they, to me, Bill Belichick understands um, what he, he always has a good sense of how to operate given the circumstances surrounding him. And I think he knows that there is going to be a very minimal amount of work that he can do with his team this offseason. And as such, I think he's going into keep it simple, stupid mode and is going to run the living crap out of the ball. That's why they tagged Joe Tooney because they needed to keep that offensive line there. They're, uh, they're tagging a guard. It's just not something you expect Belichick to do. Um, he is, he has added two tight ends in the third round, which he hadn't really you know, done anything like that since 2010. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Evan Asiasi and, and Dalton Keene or Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, 
uh, from a talent standpoint, but you know they could certainly could be impact guys early on. I think he wants to. I think he wants to run the heck out of the ball, shorten the clock, minimize the number of things he's asking his players to learn and to do over the course of the season. Play great defense and let Jared Stidham be a game manager who can make some big throws when he's called upon. A la Tom Brady, two thousand one, and I, I don't know that it's going to work out exactly like that. Um, but I, I do think that he has a formula and a plan in mind for a very weird offseason and a, and, a, and, a, and a forthcoming season that you know could certainly be one of the strangest we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Here's my counterpoint to that, though. Last year, the Patriots were garbage running the football, and that was with yeah. Tom Brady at quarterback and Dante Scarnecchia as their offensive line coach. Now, can they be effective running the football in 2020? Of course they can. Not out of the question. They will be. I, I just... I'm worried that they're not going to be efficient enough running the football to pull that off as a winning formula week after week. But then again, I, I think it's, I could see a scenario where what you're saying works out exactly the way you're saying it. It makes total sense to me. It's just a matter of can they do it or not? And we'll find out, you know, when the season starts, whenever that is, we will find out, uh, what the Patriots are going to do. But I absolutely it, agree it, with you. It, it, look, it's the most fascinating storyline. Like it's way more fascinating to me than, than, than Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Like I'm way more interested in what Bill Belichick can do with this roster that when you look at it, you're like, how, have what, how is he going to do this? Like, what, are you serious? Like, what did you, you felt like your, your, your hall of fame goat quarterback leaves and you're like, all right, let's, is there a higher level than all Madden? Can I turn up the difficulty on this, on this video game? And that's what it feels like. Fair. That's not out of the question. I can't fault you for that. Um, all right. Uh, so are you going to, are you going to take Patriots over as your third pick? No, I assume I was operating under the assumption that. Um, well, you took the under. You, you took the over. That's a different bet than taking the under. Okay. I mean, uh, no. Let's cover more teams. We would, okay, go for it. We'll cover more teams by not doing. That's fair. That. Uh, so I have the Colts over, Cardinals over. I will take an under now, and I will take the Green Bay Packers under eight and a half. Um, you know, it's the Aaron Rodgers thing is another fascinating discussion because it's like clearly this is a guy who has seen his skill level drop off and yet the statistics don't tell you that at all at least the the basic counting stats you're like wow this is a ton of yards no picks ton of touchdowns like rogers is still operating Uh, this is a team that was a lockbox last year though 13 and 3 they did not profile as a uh, a 13 and 3 team Um, when you look at them they are, as I bring up the Green Bay Packers page here on Pro Football Reference. I already have it open. Thank you. I know. So tell me what they're, they're – they were a uh, – 9.7 9. 7 wins. Thank you. Um, I knew it was something like that because I talked yes. about them. I think, Bill, if, we, if we're bumping it up to eight points as a one-score game, I believe they went eight and one in one-score game. Yes, uh, that's a lot. That is the poster child for a team of regression – and, you know, I, I understand that we can get all hot and bothered talking about uh, going to get uh, Jordan Love in the first round. The reality is they didn't really do anything to help Aaron Rodgers win now. And um, I think we'll see the defense take a small step back. Uh, they didn't really add any impact players. They were very, very good last year, but I, I don't know that it's uh, entirely sustainable. And, you know, I think the Brian Belaga loss, we're not talking about that enough. Uh, Aaron Jones in the final year's deal. A.J. Dillon is a 
he's fun when for like Boston College, but I don't know if he's going to work <laughs> caliber. Like Steve Adazio's guy, I guess. He had 22 catches in his entire college career. It's not a modern NFL running back. Certainly not a guy you take in the second round. I, I don't know where the secondary target is. I, I, I can't trust Marcus Valdez-Scantling quite yet. Equinomia St. Brown. I, Devin Funches, please don't come out with me with that. And um, maybe Jay Sternberger is the guy. It's not Mercedes Lewis. I mean, I, I just think I think this team is begging to fall back to earth. And the only reason, like if you put them in another division, it would be really easy to pick again. Mm-hmm. Here's the only thing I would say. I agree with a lot of your points about this. But there, there are totals eight and a half wins. This is a team that went 13-3 and three last year. So they could decline by four wins. And they would still be over the total. It, this is one that's worth shopping because there are a lot of nines out there. The nine is a, is a massive, massive difference. Yeah, I could say that for sure. I mean, it, 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 I, I agree with all your points. I think they are the most likely team in the league to cl- decline. But I wouldn't sit here and be shocked if they went 10-6. and six, You know, like I just I could, I could see them saying, okay, well, you know, taking a step backwards on offense, taking a step backwards on defense, and the division being a little better. Well, I'm obviously someone who's high on the Lions improving. But they could still be a 10-win team to me. And that's the scary part to me is that I think you could, you know, I remember betting on, what's it, someone years ago where, I, you know, like they, uh, you know, like the number was like four and a half games below where their, their, their win total had been the year before, and they declined just not enough. So I, I absolutely agree with you on the on the, uh, on the nine. I think the nine is pretty important to get if you're going to bet this Packers line here. Um, I am going to take a different team with a successful quarterback in the NFC. And they're under, I'm going to go Seahawks under nine and a half at minus 130. You talked about the record of the Packers in close games. Seahawks were nine and two in games decided by one touchdown or less. <laughs> Russell Wilson, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I was, I was talking about this with somebody. I don't remember the exact numbers in front of me. I believe he was 500 in one-score games before 2019. So not as if that's a skill he has had in the past. And this was, by the way, last year Russell Wilson was awesome. I I can't imagine him being much better than he was a year ago. So you're you're figuring Russell Wilson is probably going to be about as good, maybe a little worse. And then there's offensive line issues. The division is tougher with the Cardinals getting better. Um, they're going to play probably a tougher schedule. To me, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to think even if, again, probably a good team, but reasons to think they're going to take a step backwards and be, you know, an eight-win team in 2020. Yeah, I uh, agree with you completely for all the reasons that you outlined or laid out. Outlined? What the hell am I talking about? Um, uh, and, but I think, what, again, one of the things that's key with this when you're shopping around is I really think you need to get the nine and a half. Yeah. Russell, Russell Wilson has never won less than nine games as a, as a starter for the Seahawks. It's, it's fairly remarkable but you know, you look at what they, you know, you look at what they they did, and uh, you know, this is a team that wants to rely on running the football. Well, you know, Rashad Penny and Chris Carson are both banged up to the point that they're you know having discussions with Marshawn Lynch about coming out for 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 one more run, which uh, you know, frankly, seems like you know a, a potentially a dangerous situation. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, the Cardinals probably got better, and you look at their wins. I mean, two wins, back to back wins in overtime. Uh, against the Buccaneers and the 49ers in weeks nine and ten, and I mean, what a that Buccaneers game was just absolutely crazy. You almost yeah. sort of wonder what the butter, butterfly effect of that is. Like if Tampa wins that, <laughs> yeah. Jameis, you know, like maybe Jameis, you know, maybe they win one more, and or they win, they beat the Titans on that that punter. I don't know. Anyway, um, 
but you know, I think you know, you look at that Cincinnati game, they got lucky to dodge Andy Dalton in, in, in that game. The second week, Ben Roethlisberger uh, gets hurt. So it's like, and, and they stole one on a pass interference overturn that was, that was shocking. It's, it was a very, very lucky team. And they are, uh, as much as I like Russell Wilson, I think you're right. They're, they're primed to decline in a very difficult division. Yeah, a couple of games where they lost. They, they would have lost if a kicker had kicked a field goal. Uh, I think the Niners game, uh, yeah. I believe the first Niners game, and then the Rams it, game where they uh, Greg Sirlin missed that kick it to death uh, for them to win. So, yeah, I mean, just a, a team that I think, you know, as good as Russell Wilson is, can't pull the rabbit out of the hat so many times in 2020. Uh, who is and, your... And, and, and by the by the way, they could have been the number one seed in the NFC, which is kind of insane. They came within a half inch of being the number one seed in the NFC. That's also That's great. Um, who's uh, your I, pick? I will jump on board with a very trendy. Uh, well, I don't know if they're trendy. Somebody asked me this the other day. They're like, "Why aren't people talking about the Denver Broncos?" Yeah, I said, "Everybody's talking about the Broncos. Everybody, the the buzz around the water cooler. I've been watching a lot of Arrested Development. It's like, oh, everybody's talking about that Fuque um, <laughs> in, uh, in in quarantine. But the uh, the Broncos are over seven and a half. I, I think this is a team that got very very unlucky last year in terms of uh, close games. You recall they you know they lost to uh, Oakland. There in now Las Vegas in in the first week by eight points, and then they lost to the Bears and Jaguars over the next uh, four weeks. They started zero and four, and their point differential was like I think uh, let's see, twenty twenty three negative twenty three or something like that. And they lost to the Packers by eleven. Like they could have easily been three and one out of the gates, and they still managed to finish seven and nine. I, I know that um, we can sort of get a, over our skis praising John Elway sometimes, but he's, he's gotten beat up lately a lot. And I think we should give him credit for, for his offseason and his draft. I mean, it, you know, they tag Justin Simmons. They trade for A.J. Bouye, who's still a very good player. Jacksonville is just having a veteran fire sale. They trade for Jarrell Casey, the, the, maybe the most underrated player of the last uh, 10 years. Wow. So now on the front, you've got Jarrell Casey, Bradley Chubb, and, and Von Miller. That's a, that is a pretty nice little group. Mm-hmm. If, to me, it, it all boils down to Drew Locke. Like, if Drew Locke takes a step forward, and, and we don't know. I mean, it, you know, he's a second-round pick. He didn't play a ton, but he, he showed some. He showed us something down the stretch there. I mean, K.J. Hamler is a speed demon out of Penn State with their second-round pick. Jerry Judy, uh, one of the best route runners, should be an immediate impact guy across from Cortland Sutton. Um, this is a team that has a lot of talent on the offensive, uh, at the offensive skill positions. And if Locke takes a step forward, I mean, Noah Fant, they added Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I, I think – I think this team could could win ten games. Frankly. Yeah, I mean it's not out of the question. I'll tell you what. Coincidentally, I watched every Drew Lock start last night. I sat wow. in front of my TV and I watched all five of the Drew Lock starts. So I have lots of Drew Lock thoughts. Well, he was he was better than I thought he was. I he did play an easy schedule. Now I'm throwing the Chiefs game out because it was in a snowstorm. There are four wins otherwise. Couple of close wins here and there. They had that the Chargers game where the Chargers tied it up with 50 seconds left and then. Drew Locke, or like with like 10 seconds left, and Drew Locke lofted up a Hail Mary on their one play before overtime and drew a pass interference penalty, and the Broncos kicked a field goal to win. Then week 17, the Raiders score in the final minute and then uh, miss a two-pointer that would have given them the win. Um, but overall, I mean, even though he played in these schedule of defenses, I thought you saw a guy who was athletic, who made throws downfield, who they, they kept things simple um, under Scangarello. There were a lot of, you know, half-field reads, a lot of plays where he was, you know, not expected to do a ton. But then when his first read wasn't there, he didn't really 
panic all that much. He seemed to be a little more patient. He's, you know, he would scramble and he was definitely not comfortable in the pocket, but he would get two places where he could make a throw and then made a safe throw. It wasn't like, you know, um, Josh Allen's sort of an example of this, where if his read's not there, he just sort of panic and starts running. And Josh Allen's pretty good at running, so that helps. But um, it's tough to sustain that. And with Drew Locke, I think we saw him, you know, definitely seem more comfortable. Now, of course, it's only four games where he looked promising. It's still a long ways to go. Um, but I do think there's stuff to like here. You know, I, I think Pat Shermer is an underrated offensive coordinator. Maybe not a great head coach, but I think a guy who's a pretty good offensive coordinator now working with Drew Locke, a ton of weapons. I'm still concerned about the offensive line a bit. Um, but Dick Fangio, we know Dick Fangio can coach defense. So if Drew Locke is, is capable, this should be an eight and eight, nine and seven, 10 and 16. That's not out of the question. So absolutely with you on the Broncos being promising. All right. Uh, that means it is, uh, it's a lock. It's a lie. Yes. They, <laughs> they should steal that. Yeah, they should. They should. Um, um, like, why, by the way, has, you know, like the Locked On podcast? Yes. Why don't they have a Locked On Lock podcast? Oh, God. Fire it I up. Think, you, got, you got one for every NFL team. You can't take, like, rename the Broncos. No more Locked On Broncos. Locked On Lock. Let's go. I have, I have some bad news for you, Will. You've now just volunteered yourself to host the Locked On Lock podcast. A Daily Drew Lock podcast. Yes, the Daily Drew Lock podcast. Welcome to hell. Um, <laughs> I believe you're up. <laughs> I am up. Uh, I'm going to go for another promising young quarterback, and I'm going to go basically on the old dead cat bounce. I'm going to go Cincinnati Bengals over uh, that five was literally, and a half. Literally the next one on my list. Beautiful. Beautiful. Bengals over five and a half. I think we're on the same page here. Last year, brutally beat up offensive line. They got zero games out of A.J. Green. Still had 4.4 expected wins. That was with Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley. That Burrow guy is pretty good. I I mean, you know, I'm I'm projecting a little bit. I'm sure he's going to have his ups and downs. I like Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be an upgrade on Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley. Just my opinion. Um, You see this offense being very effective. They spent a lot of money on defense this year. Not a team that spends a lot of money. Typically, they needed the help. Um, A pretty deep defensive line. A lot of options in the secondary. I think a team, again, playoffs? No, I think that's tough. That's a lot to ask. But seven, eight wins? Yeah, I absolutely could believe, especially if the Ravens do take a step backwards, that this could be a seven or eight win football team. They lost a lot more one-score games than I than I yeah. realized. Like They hung with the Ravens in week six. Um, they had the Cardinals, or they came back against the Cardinals, I guess, and Andy Dalton had like 55 yards passing in that game. Um, they should have beaten the Seahawks in Week One. Had the Bills close at Raiders, Steelers. I mean, they, they were they were hanging with teams more. And like, I think part of the problem from a visual standpoint for us as analysts and consumers of football is that like one of those. I think it was the uh, Week. What was it? it was a primetime game? Ah, it was Week Four against the Pittsburgh Steelers in primetime on Monday night. A absolute bloodbath, twenty-seven to three. Sure, and I think that to me is the lasting image of the Bengals and Zach Taylor for me when I think about last season. And it's like Zach Taylor, you know, they're down fourteen or fifteen points, and he's and he's, he's like, he's, all right, let's huddle up and uh, go over what the next play is going to be. It's like it's the third quarter. It's like it's like <laughs> late third quarter. Get moving, pal. And uh, and it just felt like he was 
in over his head. And I don't think we ever really moved past that because we weren't watching a lot of Bengals games. No. But they tried hard, and uh, injury history should help them. Jonas, Jonas, Jonah Williams, excuse me, uh, back on the offensive line. If that offensive line is decent, and it doesn't have to be elite because I think Joe Burrow is so accurate and so quick with his release that I, 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 think, this, I, I think this team can flirt with the playoffs. I do too. I think absolutely it's not out of the question. Um, what's your next pick? Uh, next up on the board, as I mentioned, the, uh, I had the Bengals over five and a half. Uh, I'm going to get caught up in the, uh, the tidal wave, the tsunami of hype uh, down in Tampa Bay. And I'm going to take the Buccaneers over nine and a half. Uh, again, like I, I basically stuck to my picks uh, that I had made previously for my podcast, Pick 6 Podcast. You can subscribe and uh, Apple <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, um, or like our CBS Sports HQ show. Uh, but like, and I, you can get the Buccaneers at nine. That is clearly you prefer nine to nine oh, and a half. Sure. That's, that should be very, very obvious. But I, I still think this is a 10-win team. And I, I, I don't, I, I know that um, I talked about consistency and the importance of it, but I'm not, I'm not worried about Tom Brady adjusting to Bruce Arians. I'm not worried about Bruce Arians' system, you know, asking for deep dropbacks. I, I, I think with all the talent that they have on offense, there's going to be a fairly easy acclimation for Tom Brady and defensively, this is a team that you know maybe wasn't good against the past, but should be better. I think they'll be in, in a more more fortunate starting positions because of no Jameis Winston. And they went seven and nine with a guy who threw thirty picks. <laughs> I, just swap in Tom Brady, and even if Tom Brady just plays like he did last year, mm-hmm. which is was not elite, but I mean was fine, certainly of average, right? It's fine. Uh, I think that this is a ten win team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, this is a defense that was fifth in the league in DVOA, and, and I think people, you know, obviously not everyone is a believer in DVOA. That's fine. Not everyone is a football outsider's reader. You should, uh, in my opinion, if you're listening to this podcast, it's an opportunity for you to gain more as a fan. But I think people are sleeping on how good that defense was last year. And so, you know, I, I just think the, the offense is going to be better with Tom Brady than it was with Jameis Winston. Call me crazy. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a dreamer, but I think Tom Brady is better at football. By, by the way, uh, a little sleep. I think this is a good sleeper pick, and I'm going to mention this on our HQ show to, uh, on whatever today's afternoon is, Wednesday afternoon, I guess. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., yeah. uh, who is the son of Antoine Winfield, obviously, uh, second-round pick uh, safety for the Buccaneers. I think he's a pretty good sleeper for a, a defensive rookie of the year like 50 to one this kid, I mean he is a friggin ball hawk and he can play all over the place and I would not be surprised if he had uh, a very nice season and their first round pick Tristan Wirfs I mean couldn't have landed like they could not have landed a better first round pick they had to get one of the elite tackles and they did just that yeah and we're going to see a lot of them on primetime as well so uh, I think there'll be plenty of opportunities for Antoine Winfield to make plays on national television so that, that also helps a little bit a that that is a I feel like a, a lot of people are behind the bucks and I can't fault them. I'm going to go in the opposite direction for a team that I think people are optimistic about. I'm going to go Dolphins under six wins, which is minus 105. A couple of reasons why. I, I know they added a ton this off season. Uh, I'm skeptical that those those additions, even though I could see the logic in making them are going to make a ton of difference. And they'll be very good at cornerback, but there's no great pass rusher on this roster. Um, the linebackers they added, I mean, I understand adding Kyle Van Noy makes a lot of sense, but nobody's gotten rich adding players Bill Belichick didn't want to keep around um, in free agency. I'll just say that much. And then 
the offensive line, they added a lot. I understand what they did, but Eric Flowers is a major question mark. Two rookies, uh, Ted Karras, again, a guy who was a, a rotation guy for the Patriots, didn't add anything to the receiving core. And last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick was great. It was like the 90th percentile Ryan Fitzpatrick season. Um, you know, would it shock me if Devontae Parker, who's been good one year in his career, was you know, not that guy again next year? No, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I don't know what we have in Tua Tango Vailoa in terms of his health. Wouldn't shock me if he, you know, was a redshirt for a chunk of the season. If he played and got hurt, you know, that's not out of the question. Um, 3.9 expected wins last year, so way below that six-born figure. And then talking about the Bengals and kind of that memory of them on primetime and sort of how they dropped off from there, the every the thing everybody remembers about the Dolphins last year is that they beat the Patriots, right? That's like the memory we have of that team now is, hey, week 17, they beat the Patriots when the Patriots were trying to win. And that is Ryan not... Ryan Fitzpatrick killed yeah. the Patriots dynasty. Yeah, I mean, and like... That's fine. That definitely happened, but that's not representative of their entire season, even representative of their second half. So to me, a team that, you know, maybe if the Patriots do uh, decline, they'll be in better shape. The Jets are, I think, a major question mark. I'm, I'm happy they're adding Logan Ryan if it turns out to be true. I think that's a good move. But this is a team that was plus 10, or sorry, minus 10, excuse me, in the turnover differential. Um, and, you know, a, a team that I think... I think they'll be better on defense, but I think they could be worse on offense, even given all the additions they made. Uh, yeah, I had them. I, I, I think I maybe had the over, but it was low on my list. I'll look in a second. I, I would say that just from a standpoint of like, it's weird how expectations work in the NFL because this team was supposed to go. Oh, and 16 and nobody wanted anything to do with them. And, uh, when they started winning a couple games, it's like, oh, what are they doing? Like, this is dumb. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you win five games, you have a great, what is perceived as a great offseason. You know, you got the left tackle. You got the quarterback at five. You didn't have to trade up for him. Um, you also uh, added, uh, with that third first-round pick, a, a, a very young corner, Noah Igbenogany, that people really like. Uh, you paid Byron Jones. You already have David Howard. You know, you added all these free agents from, from New England, as you point out. Um, there is a lot to like about the future of this team, but I think there is an inherent expectation, like fans and owners and a lot of time, you know, football analysts expect this, exp- this, this, this steady exponential growth curve. Mm-hmm. That's just not how it works in the NFL. Like, what if, what if Tua isn't completely healthy and the Dolphins don't want to throw him out there in New England to start the season and they let Ryan Fitzpatrick start, you know, four or five games? Well, at the Pats, Bills, at Jags, Seahawks, at 49ers, at Broncos, Chargers, Rams, at Cardinals, Jets, and then they're by. Like, they could easily be a two-win team going into their, their by there uh, with, which you know, now, now listen, I think it's like week 10. Um, but at that point, then you have to win four more games out of the bye just to push. And you have the chiefs and Patriots on the schedule again. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I, I don't know what the right time for inserting Tua is, but I would expect to be honest with you. I'd expect Ryan Fitzpatrick to start the year as their quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have the pass and the bills in the first two weeks. Like, I mean, it, that is a quintessential start the veteran yeah. and let him get screwed up by good defenses and then trot two out, you know, at the Jaguars with the entire SEC uh, world what, tuning in to watch. Makes total sense. So, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic about the Dolphins in the long term, pessimistic about their chances of improving dramatically here in 2020. Uh, what about you? Let's do two more picks each. Okay. Uh, I will take the... 
Well, this is a big number, and I philosophically don't like to take the over uh, on numbers that are double digits or more, but I'm going to do it anyway with the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. 11 and a half. It is oh, outrageous. I, I know. It's insane. The, only the Chiefs are higher at 12. I, what I can't get over, Bill, is that this team, who you know was by all accounts extremely dominant in in you know in 2019. I mean, this is not a you know this is not a fluke. Uh, they went 14 to two. They were a 13.1 expected win team. They were yeah. blasting everybody uh, on the way out. And I think one of the untold or one of the underrated things. My colleague Sean Wagner McGuff point, pointed this out during the coaching search uh, coaching cycle. Like the Ravens are huge winners and even more so now because of the COVID-19 situation, because neither Greg Roman nor Don Martindale were hired away as many people thought that they would be, especially after a first round exit. Um, That offense is going to look exactly the same. And they added J.K. Dobbins, who is an outstanding runner from shotgun to Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. They have they're loaded to bear at running back. Um, they, you know, they got better uh, wide receiver with Devin DuVernay, uh, kind of a speedy slot type of guy in the in the third round. James Prochet, I freaking love this kid. He is at SMU. He like just makes plays. He doesn't test well, but he just he makes plays. And like I would, I would not be surprised if he is an impact guy uh, in 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 the first year. And then to get Patrick Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison, and you tag Matthew Judon. There's just so much holdover from this team. And I, I just have a hard time not seeing them get to 12 wins, but it's an, it's an outrageous number and I'm probably going to pay. That's a big one. I mean, I, I think, I think I see your points though. I mean, if I pick, if I want if I'm picking any team to go over 12 wins or, or win 12 or more games, I'd pick the Ravens. And I actually, that brings me to my next pick coincidentally. Um, cause I'm going under the chiefs under 12 wins mm-hmm. at minus 125, just because, even though I understand they've gone twelve and four each of the last two years with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, on principle, I'm I bet against anybody winning twelve games in a given season unless it's Tom Bell or Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Um, so I'm very comfortable going under twelve for anybody um, that does not have either of those people. I understand Andy Reid is very good, Patrick Mahomes is very good, but I I would rather pick the Ravens to win twelve games than the Chiefs, and I feel like. I just, you know, it's easier for them to believe that they go 11 and 5 or 10 and 6 than 13 and 3 or 14 and 2. So I'm happy going under the Chiefs there. Um, do, you know, do you know how many times Andy Reid has won uh, more than four. 12 games he landed in Kansas City? Um, guessing zero? It is zero. Oh, 11, okay. 9, 11, 12, 10, 12, 12. Um, one of the things about Andy Reid that's important is that he is more than willing to rest his starters. Yes. When it comes time, like if he gets, I think there's a very reasonable case that he shows up and now look with the, maybe it's different with the, if the Ravens are really good again and they're chasing the one seed because uh, you know, with the expanded playoffs, that's going to make an even bigger difference. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of, you have to think about that, but yeah, I, I have, no, I have no problem with the under here too, having just taken the Ravens over and left. All right. Well, who is your last pick? From our draft. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna stay true to my board. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, reach not gonna best player. Your best player available. Um, I'm gonna go to the Jets over six and a half. Okay. And I like uh, yeah, I, I think that with the Jets, oh, Adam Gase concerns me greatly. Uh, you know, this is a team in New York that quietly went seven and nine last year. 
expected win loss five and six. I get it, but Sam Darnold, uh, you know, he only played in thirteen games, and in a couple of those games, he was dealing with the the pre and post effects of mononucleosis, which. Yes. You know, I get it. We're making jokes about him making out with, you know, the ladies in New York. I get it. It's funny. It's hilarious. Twitter had a great time with it. Oh, um, sure. Kyle Brandt sticking me on, you know, claiming on Good Morning Football that I was bragging about getting motto in college, which is just <laughs> a lie all around. And I did not brag about it, nor did I get motto in college, unfortunately, I guess. Um <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, I think Andrew Perloff and I got name checked in that for some. Oh no! Some Thanks, Kyle. Uh, I, I think Darnold is the guy no one's talking about who could have a breakout season out of that group of quarterbacks. Like Lamar Jackson already had his. Obviously, sure. people people are really focused in on Josh Allen making the leap and on Baker Mayfield having a bounce back season. And I just think Darnold's kind of flying under the radar, and he could end up having a really nice season. Uh, with an offense that now you know has Le'Veon has Le'Veon Bell back, I, I think you know he didn't never really got in the same groove as, as Darnold, and I think with uh, Denzel Mims, the addition of him should more than make up for the loss of Robbie Anderson, uh, Brashad Perryman. You have some deep threats there. I I still believe in Josh Doxson for some stupid reason, and Jamison Crowder is an excellent underneath guy for this offense. Kai Becton, the the dancing bear that everybody loves out of Louisville. Uh, is a huge addition to tackle. And I thought Joe Douglas did a, a very nice job of supplementing the offense in free agency with uh, sort of unheralded players that could make a difference. Greg Waves has got a coach of the defense, but I, I just think this team could be a nine-win team um, because if, if they just don't you know, have a quarterback who gets mono. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it would be very troubling if he got mono again. That would be disconcerting. Is that even possible? I don't think so. That's what my, my, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to say anything in case he does get mono, and then can I get you, exposed for. Can you get, can you get mono as like a forty-year-old, or is it just something that you like? I don't know. Again, I've never had it, so I don't know. I mean, like, because if, if you're a forty-year-old, if you're a thirty-year-old married guy who gets mono, you've got problems. Well, you're saying you've never kissed a uh, person before. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, have, a child. I, have, I have. I have a six-year-old child, but I've never I've never made out with anybody. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Impressive in its own way, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, I don't believe you can get it the second time. So that should help Sam Darnold's chances. This is a team, by the way, in the Jets, tenth uh, in defensive DVOA last year, fourth in special teams DVOA, thirty-first in offensive DVOA. So if you figure you're going to get a better offense, and I do think you should have a better offense. Um, you know that could really bump them forward. Um, a team that I think wouldn't shock me again if they were a competitive team, and again if the Patriots decline, if the Dolphins aren't what we're expecting. Hey, the Bills could take a step backwards. We don't know if Josh Allen is going to be, you know, all that effective. It wouldn't shock me if they're in the run for the division title. So, yeah, I absolutely think that's a good pick there. Um, by, by the way, Bill, just mm-hmm. one more to add on that. Uh, I mentioned this on the show, and I think it's down now. R.J. White and I uh, both talked about it. Sam Donald's like 140 or 101 to win the MVP. Like, that's not a bad bet. Yeah. I like that. I, you know, if you want to go under the logic of, hey, you know, let's find the next Lamar Jackson, let's find a quarterback who's coming out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, but someone who is going to take a leap, Sam Darnold's kind of up there for guys who you would figure it would make sense. Expectations are very low. Yeah, and I think, too, like, exactly, low expectations, and whatever team, I rule out the Dolphins since we both like the under there, but, like, the Bills or the Jets, if one of those teams can get a, a good quarterbacking season from Sam Darnold or Josh Allen and dethrone the Patriots in the AFC East, 
I think that the narrative uh, train surrounding them for MVP will, will be quite strong. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, okay, well, I'll let you pick here. Do you want an over or an under for my final Ooh. final section? Uh, mm, uh, let's, let's go over. I want to hear a team you're optimistic about. Okay. Bandwagon is filling up on this team. <laughs> Do you want to join me on the Dallas Cowboys bandwagon? The number is 10. It's 10 minus 110. It seems big. This is a Cowboys team that had 10.7 expected wins last year. So they were already over the total last year in a disappointing season. They kept, I figure everyone seems to love their offseason. I'm inclined to agree. I think the division is very easy. I'm not optimistic about the Eagles, or I guess I'm okay with the Eagles, but not optimistic about Washington. I think the schedule could be pretty easy. I, I don't think Mike McCarthy is going to have a huge impact on how the offense is run. I think Dak is a very viable MVP candidate. I think the defense is going to be better. Uh, and I think this team was also one of the best teams in football last year and just happened to have some bad luck. So a team that had much better luck in 20, uh, 2018, you figure it kind of evens out. That puts them at, at 10 and a half wins. So to me, I think they're a team that could not only top 10 wins, but also, you know, reach for a number one or number two seed in the NFC. I think they could be one of the best teams in football. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to get on board with it. It's, it. it's a big number, but like it is, it does make more sense from a pure, like if you do statistical analysis about football and you want to bet on a team that could be elite, like you'd rather take 10 than 11 and a half, even though I think the Ravens are a better bet to be really good. My one concern with the Cowboys is that, and we had talked to Brett Hundley for our for the podcast. He pointed out that in a virtual shortened off season, learning Mike McCarthy's offense could be difficult. And I think that's really where, like to me, it all hinges on Kellen Moore and what Mike McCarthy is willing to do in terms of adapting his offense to make it simplistic for Kellen Moore to get it to Dak Prescott and or Andy Dalton. That makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm, it does. I, you know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I have the concern about what if, what if the quarterback play is not there, or a lot of teams. I just, I believe in Dak Prescott. I, I could see the career year happening this year, and I think he is motivated to get there. I think this is a team that has a lot to prove, and I think Mike McCarthy has a lot to prove. No. Are you rolling up your sleeves right now to attack Dan Orlovsky? That's another conversation for another day, and he's very tall and could beat me up, and I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to say I think that hey, Dan Orlovsky... Do you want to know a fun Dan Orlovsky fact? Please. Dan Orlovsky officiated Mike Glennon's wedding. Really? I did not know that. That yeah. is a fun fact. That is a fun fact, right? Uh, no, I mean, the Orlovsky-Dominic Foxworth thing on, on Dak and Wentz, um, they're both good. <laughs> yeah, they can fight. both be good. It's okay. <laughs> Who cares which one is better? It's like that's not the like the, the independent discussion should be: Can Carson Wentz stay healthy for 16 games and then get through the playoffs? And I think he can. But you know that's what the Eagles need. And conversely, like why won't the Cowboys just give Dak his damn money? Pay the man. Um, Pay the man. I, I think. I think. I think. Un- like you heard. You know. You heard Joe Judge say that. Like, what's your offense going to look like? Well, just go check out Jason Garrett's time with the Cowboys. It's like, no, why would you do that? <laughs> yes, um, and, and then, you know, conversely, it's like, I mean, what if 
what if a simple change to not Jason Garrett just unlocks this Cowboys offense? Because it is so friggin' loaded. I mean, CeeDee Lamb was my third favorite player in the entire draft behind Burrow and Chase Young. I would have taken him third overall if I, if I, was, if I was drafting for a team. Um, putting him with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup is obscene. They have a good, a very good offensive line. I know that you know, you know replacing your center Travis Frederick is, is a problem, but they got Joe Looney and they drafted uh, Tyler Biotis in the in the fourth round. They also have Connor McGovern, Connor McGovern, who can step in. Uh, there is no reason this team should score. I mean, less than twenty-eight points a game. I mean, they should be really good. They were number two in the league in offensive DVOA a year ago. So they were really good last year and should be really good this year. By the way, Will, I have a fact for you that just came out that I just read on footballoutsiders.com about the New York Jets. Might help your case. Go on. The second most injured team in the history of Football Outsiders injury data, which asked the person who originally compiled the Football Outsiders injury data, I believe goes back to the mid-90s. So they are they were incredibly injured last year and should be healthier in 2020. Hey, but, but just as a quick, I don't, I'm sure that you get this a lot, Bill, but people are like, how do, how do you get into, how do you get into, you know, sports writing? Like, I really want to do what you do. It's like, uh, you're going to have to compile injury data for, uh, for football outsiders for a while. And, or, uh, you know, write for Matthew Barry for, for 25 bucks a month for a couple of years. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of what it, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not advising people to work for free, but, uh, you know, just saying yeah, sometimes it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, There's have they released? Uh, have they released the the uh, the injury chart? It just, for, it just went up today. <laughs> Perfect timing. Glad we could not get that in. <laughs> well, I would advise you check out the the injury data at footballoutsiders.com. I'd also advise you check out Mr. Will Brinson's podcast, which Will is probably going to pipe up right now, if I'm not mistaken. It's a Pick Six podcast. Daily NFL show, even during the off season, there is no rest for the weary. And uh, we have emergency podcast. I feel like emergency podcasts are a thing now, Bill. And I mean, I'm not saying I started them, but I'm not not saying it. You are Mister Emergency Podcast. I think that is extremely fair to say. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it's always a pleasure, Will, to have you on the Bill Barnwell Show. Even though it's not an emergency, it's always nice to have you on. It's an easy show. It's an absolute pleasure. So thanks so much. Hopping on. We'll review this maybe after the NFL season, whenever it happens. So we'll get back to this later on in 2020. Sounds good, Bill. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks so much to my guest, Bill Brinson. Of course, more football coming next week. You're on the Bill Bardenwell Show. But thanks so much for listening.